Hello and welcome to Into the Basement. This is Jessica Hanna. And I'm Adrian Hanna. And we welcome you to the podcast tonight. Um, first thing I'd like to talk about um, is uh, we're not really a current events podcast, but I do feel like it's an important thing to bring up that uh, we woke up this morning to find out that uh, Anthony Bourdain had uh, committed suicide. And I just wanted to touch on that. I know Adrian's a big fan. That I am. And uh, I wanted to kind of talk about depression and suicide and other mental disorders that maybe maybe somebody out there is, is struggling. And you see somebody like Anthony Bourdain, who's, who is a pretty sto- solid and stable guy, um, or he seemed like he was. And I just want to note that just because somebody seems like they're okay and they're doing okay doesn't mean that they are. And... Uh, of course, we're all going to miss Anthony Bourdain. He was a great host. He was a f- amazing person in the way that he... And first and foremost, he was a great writer. He's a great writer, yeah. But I think his, his care and his thoughtfulness over the, the things that were going on in this world um, made a huge difference. Um, he brought to CNN a new show that was both a food show and a kind of letting people know what's going on in the world and kind of trying to bridge that gap especially here in the u.s you know with his most the most the first episode of this season was going over to was it west virginia yep. and kind of spending time with people and talking to many different kinds of people and not judging them or treating them badly or you know and i think we can all take a bit of advice from him and a, a bit of an example from him and you know continue to live our lives like that and also remember that he gave the world a lot and unfortunately the world took a lot from him and he couldn't take it anymore so uh again if you are if you are thinking of suicide if you are thinking if you're having any dark thoughts there is uh i want to give a number now uh for the suicide prevention line it's a it's the national suicide hotline it's 1-800-273-8255 and uh call that even if you're just feeling like having a you're having a bummed out day I feel like they can help even a little bit if nothing else they can bring you back better safe than sorry exactly so that being said uh we'll miss Bourdain for sure he was awesome babe yeah totally do you have anything to say about um, that no I mean you pretty much summed up how, how I've been feeling today it's I mean he's a pretty cool dude uh, I like a lot of the stuff that he does, um, or did rather. And, uh, it just, it sucks that I, there will be no more media to consume from, from him anymore. I feel like he was a, a pretty decent guy. And I mean, I know that this is a, uh, kind of a serial killer murder, murder hobo kind of podcast, but I think we, uh, we set the bar real or we set the uh, the mood real low to, to start with today. So uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let's get on to the, to the uh, less morose stuff, you know, the serial killers and the murderers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, today we're going to talk about um, a couple. That, it's a couple. I was going to do two stories tonight, but then I got to doing research, and these two were just a bit more than I could – fit in I couldn't couldn't even think about fitting anybody else into the same one uh this is a one of I there are a few cases in my life that I can't seem to get away from and one of those cases was our we featured them on our second episode and that was Erica and BJ 
Seifert. And uh, this is another one of those. Uh, it's a couple of kids who made some really stupid choices. Um, they were bound for greatness and then screwed their lives up completely um, by obsessive love. Uh, so we're going to talk about them today. Uh, okay, I'll get started. Before we talk about who did the killings, I'd like to talk about the per- or did the killing. I'd like to talk about the victim in this case. Um, the girl who died in this case really there was no reason for her to die she had no grudges against these people there were nothing there was nothing about her that that could possibly have led to her death by the people who killed her was it one of those like baffle the police for forever sorts of things unfortunately no i mean they they thought there was a reason i would say fortunately but fortunately no (laughs) but um they thought there was a reason but in her mind, I think that she was, and, and in my mind, she was blameless. She was just a girl being a teenager, and we'll get into it. Um, it was about, it was early December 1995, and her parents woke up in the morning and couldn't find her. She wasn't at home, but her stuff was there. And her okay. brothers were even like, where's Adrian? Adrian Jones was her name. Okay. Uh, and they... Couldn't find her. So the, her mother thought, hey, uh, maybe she went to school and forgot her things, or maybe she spent the night at a friend's house. Sometimes she snuck out of the house. You know, why not? Right. Teenager you know, being a teenager. Teenager being a teenager. She's going to be in trouble, but at the very least, maybe she just went to school without her bag. Right. You know? And so she called the school. That, and By the way, that's got to be just a nightmare scenario. Like, you're like... Oh, well, my kid probably just left her bag at home or, you know, she's off with her friends or she snuck out or whatever. And then it turns out that she is dead. That's going to suck. Yeah. Especially since she tried all morning to get a hold of Adrian. The school. She wasn't at school. She wasn't at her friends' houses. She called all the friends. She called all the friends. I don't think there were cell phones at this time. So maybe she called the parents of the friends. I don't right. really know. Um, I mean, there was some cell phones. We're talking 1995. We're not talking like any. And so there yeah, were some bomb ass like brick phones. Yeah, the ones that lasted forever. Yeah, the Z- awesome. Zach Morris phones. No, not the Zach Morris phones. Well, we're yeah, talking those like the too. Nokia's. Oh, the the brick like phones. The solid yeah. brick phones that were like they lasted you for a week. Uh huh. They were so good, and yep. they had Snake on them. Remember Snake? Uh huh. Actually, I don't think those phones were even around then. It was like the 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 big ass flip phones that had like the ten digit display and that was it you know what I'm like talking the ones about? that flipped out a little bit but not yeah. much like the only thing was just like a thin piece of this, plastic we're kind of getting off yeah. off track here but anyway i <laughs> whatever her mom called all of leave her it, friends and, leave, leave it to me to to uh to uh tangent into uh nerd zone about <laughs> about what phone was popular I don't know, i'm at the totally time. i'm kind of into it yeah so. um well the only thing that when the police which so the mom called the police and the police came immediately because they're this is a case where the and we've talked about this where the police usually are not when it comes to especially when you get into the 90s and stuff the police are usually pretty good about this kind of thing now this is before amber alerts okay but this is not before people were taking missing kids seriously i mean like that was the early 80s when like when kids became missing there was an immediate where you get the tv trope of ma'am could just be teenagers being teenagers. You need to wait 48 hours before yeah. you contact It wasn't us. that quite. It gotcha. wasn't that. Um, also because I think because she could, she was a good kid, a stand-up kid in the community, I think that they 
they, as in some communities, they just go, oh, that's a good kid. We know that's a good kid, you know, because right. everyone knows each other. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, the mom had said that the night before she had received a call from a boy a little after her phone curfew. Um, and again, we're talking about phones. Ooh, phone curfew. <laughs> I remember having a phone curfew. Do you remember having a phone curfew? No. You probably I didn't because you, weren't a, you I, weren't a teenage girl. Yeah, I didn't talk with my friends on the phone that much. But anyway, so she had received a phone call from this from David from Cross Country, um, which is what her – and that apparently he was upset, and that's why the mom kind of allowed her to talk to him. Um but at the same time, the mom didn't really think anything of it. Right. You know, I think it was just like, oh, here's this guy who's calling my daughter. My daughter's beautiful. She's a teenage girl. She always wants to be on the phone. That's normal. I'll allow it this night because... He we, seems upset. He seems upset. We were out of the house for most of the night. You know, maybe she has to catch up for the Right. You know? So, uh, like I said, that morning they were looking for her. And unfortunately, about the time that they were discovering that she wasn't home, a farmer about 10 miles outside of their town, which was Mansfield, Texas, a farmer found a dead body in his in his fields. And that body had been, it was the body of a young girl. Um, and he found, he could tell clearly, he didn't even need the police to come and tell him this, that she'd clearly been bludgeoned and shot twice in the head. So. I imagine getting shot in the head even once is probably a messy affair. Yeah. So it's probably probably a lot of blood around. Yeah. I don't even. I feel awful for her parents that that within twelve hours of discovering that she was missing, they found out that she had been murdered. Yeah. And un, and from what they could tell, what we could tell is that she was she was this great kid. She was on track. She played soccer. She was smart. She was popular. She was kind to people. Nobody said, I mean, granted, we're talking about a girl who was killed in high school. So everyone's going to say she was awesome. Right. She could have been terrible, but I don't think she was. There was, you know, every once in a while somebody would be like, you know, she could be difficult, which right. is a, you know, euphemism for she was a bitch. Right. But that's, nobody ever says that about Adrian. They say that she was kind and that she was fun and that she was interesting and that she was vivacious and popular and that people liked being around her which is nice Mm -hmm. it's a good way it's a good legacy to have yeah and thankfully that's what she had she was also very smart she was planning on attending well she was a sophomore so she had a couple of years yet but her dream was to attend texas a&m and become a profiler which is of course fantastic that's something i would do for sure if i had thought if i'd known of my interest in the sort of thing I would have done that years ago. Um, the tr- so what it comes down to is this girl was murdered. She had gone to bed at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Right. Her parents saw her go to bed. They, she wasn't there in the morning. And then she was found di- dead. Why? Who? When? How? Right? Well, we know how. But why would anybody want to kill this person? Right. She was kind. She was nice. She was popular. She wasn't pissing anybody had, off. Had no enemies. She wasn't dr- doing drugs. She wasn't. I mean, if she was doing drugs, it was like a little pot here and there or whatever. She, if she was drinking, it was a little pot. A little, a little pot here a and there. A little pot here and there. A little smoke. Or, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> a 
a little beer here and there. But it was she wasn't like a she was the kind of kid it that parents hope they get. It wasn't like, it, if she was doing anything wrong, it wasn't noteworthy. Yeah, there, there was nothing noteworthy about the things that she was doing. She wrong. was just a, a kid who was she was rebelling in the right ways and not the stupid ways. You right. know, uh, so. What they found out is, so what ended up happening is the, the trail went cold pretty quickly. And the reason for that is because everyone they interviewed couldn't possibly determine who would have done this. They even talked to David from Cross Country. And he was like, I barely know her. I just gave her a call because of something with track. Right. Nothing more, right? So they didn't, the, the police did not actually solve the murder until one of the killers because there were two, confessed to it in a weird game of what what's my boyfriend done that what's your boyfriend done that to prove his love for you? And my boyfriend murdered somebody. And that is basically how it went. And it was done by these two really amazing kids who were all standouts just like Adrian was, named Diane Zamora and David Graham. And we're gonna get into them now. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Diane first because she is, I don't know, they're both kind of fucked in a lot of ways in my head. Like Diane was a highly religious, um, highly intelligent, highly driven young woman who, because of her family situation, she was, her mom was working as a nurse, working three jobs and to get them by, but they still couldn't have their own house. So they lived with her grandparents. Her father was an electrician who didn't quite work. He worked when he could, I guess, but he wasn't, like, actively seeking out work. And he was also a philanderer. Okay. So he was screwing women behind her mother's back. And I'm pretty sure – I couldn't find the actual thing that said this. But I'm pretty sure that she caught him – that Diane had caught her father cheating on her mother in their house. Gross. So she's already – kind of not happy with her dad because and reacting to that by being really smart and really type a and really this and that and then she finds her dad cheating on her mom and so immediately this emotionally fucks her pretty hard and it turns her into this like obsessive she doesn't like to her there is nothing worse than infidelity any distrust she was full of distrust expected betrayal right around the corner she was basically this is what this is when people talk about about a um oh goodness borderline personality disorder okay have you ever met anybody with borderline personality disorder nope okay borderline personality disorder people are the they're they're they basically fly into a rage when they feel um rejected okay and I think that this is how it starts. They because the reject their fear is rejection. They don't want to be rejected, and so and this is where it begins. So her father rejects her mother, you know, betrays her mother, and then it starts to build up inside her that she'll, you know, she wants to protect the things that are closest to her, and she will lash out anytime those things mess with her idea of what things could be or gotcha. should be. Right. Anyway, so a little bit more about her though, because. This is the, these kids are standout kids. All three of these kids are standout kids. And so basically she said, I want to be an astronaut. She was about seven, seven years old. She's like, I want to be an astronaut. And so she literally started from that moment on trying to get herself into the Navy so that she could make the transition from 
Navy to astronaut because that's that's the way to do it. Okay. I don't know if you I don't know if you can join other areas of the military. Most of them come out of most like pilots come out of the Air Force. But apparently, to the Navy is a good way to go too. Right. Okay. Well, you just you just have to get into an uh, an academy, uh, an airplane thing, field of some pilot. Sort. You have to be a pilot of some okay. sort. All right. I didn't and, know that. And and you you have a good well you have a that's like baseline what you have to do to get to be a pilot. Um, I think the first female pilot astronaut was in the nineties. At some point, so it could have been right around that time. That makes sense. But I mean, even if even if nobody else had done it, that's a, her goal was to be an astronaut, right? Well, I mean, you could be a mission specialist. Yeah. yeah so you could go up as a science nerd and do science nerd stuff. But like the first, yeah, the first female pilot happened right around. Maybe that's that time. what she wanted so. was mission specialist. I don't know, but she wanted no, because be, like you if know. you're if you're gonna go join the Navy to to become a an astronaut, it, it you're basically shooting to be a pilot. Yeah. Okay. Well, in order to get there, when she was about, so I'm thinking when she was about 14, mm-hmm. 13, 14, she joined what's called the Civil Air Patrol. Okay. Um, and then that led into, she did that up and up through high school, and then she got into, she was accepted at Annapolis, which is the U.S. Navy Academy. Yeah. Uh, so we're not talking a dumb girl here. Oh, we're no. Not. It takes a lot to get into an- yeah. Annapolis. You have to work your ass off this is not you know i mean i'm not i don't know how uh annapolis works necessarily but i know like to get into west point you have to basically get like a congressman from your area to write you a letter of recommendation i'm sure that's the case with all all the academies yeah but well i only know that because of mj but yeah, it's it's not it's not easy to to get into Annapolis. It's like it's like oh, I wish I could get into an Ivy League college. Cool, you have a better chance of doing that than getting into one of the military academies. Yeah, yep. because you have to get so many more extra. You have to have extracurricular stuff. I think you have to uh, ROTC and things like that. Or, you have to meet per uh, some certain uh, physical standards. You so you have to be able to run you know three miles in thirty seconds and do a million pull ups and you know. <laughs> That sort of thing. But, you know, I'm obviously exaggerating, but yeah, you got to do lots of lots of dumb crap in order to get jump through lots of dumb hoops. Well, David, David Graham is the other half of this. David from cross country. David from cross country is the other half of these. And that is who this is. Okay. Um, Is the other half of this couple. Jake from Allstate. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. David was the youngest of three children, and who he had always had this idea of being a pilot. His whole life, he wanted that's all he wanted. From the time he was in first grade and he saw his first air show, he wanted to be a pilot. That was it for him. So when he was 12 years old, he joined the Civil Air Patrol. Oh, and they met there. They met there, but we're talking years later is when they when they hook up. But they did know each other for many years. Um, And then he also joined Junior Junior ROTC. Um, in order to get into the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. So we're talking to kids who know how to get shit done, right? Mm-hmm. He was... Two highly motivated individuals, Highly motivated. And they found each other, which is pretty cool, if they things hadn't gone so terribly wrong. Totes cray-cray. 
Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about David. He was pretty polite and clean cut, and many people liked him quite a bit and thought he was, like, a really nice kid. But he was, like, that nice kid who sort of isn't nice. Like, he was, he had a bad temper. He was a bit controlling. He could be violent with his mother. His mother actually, I had read this somewhere, that his mother actually left because David scared her. Which wow. in itself will leave you with strong abandonment issues. Right. Which again, abandonment issues lead to very strange behavior. And especially, I mean, I think kids don't realize it. Well, abandonment issues plus fidelity issues it makes a very dangerous cocktail, I would say. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, this. I think this case is uh, proof... The proof is in the proverbial pudding for this one. <laughs> so after knowing each other for four years, four or five years, um, in the August of 1995, the year, the summer before their senior year of high school, um, Diane and David began dating. They didn't go to the same high school, though. She went to – they were living in, in sm- small communities that were like bedroom communities of – for the life of me, I can't remember where in, in – uh, Fort Worth. Okay. So they were living in, like, like the suburbs of Fort Worth. Okay. What is a bedroom community? Bedroom community is a place you go to go home at night. Oh. A suburb. Gotcha. So you, com- you commute into I the city. I've never heard anybody say that before. No? No. I think maybe it's just from true crime shows or something. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard it before. Anyway, it's like... So that would make like sense. Like Livonia in Detroit right. would be a bedroom community. It's just another word for suburb. Sub- suburb. Gotcha. In my opinion. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, Anyway, so they started dating in August of 1995. um, And somehow, I don't know if it was the first relationship for for both of them. I feel like it it couldn't have been for David. He seemed like he was a pretty popular and outgoing guy. Um, But it it went from zero to 60 pretty fast. Like, they were obsessed with each other. Um, And I, I don't mean that in like a... I mean that in like a if... Like, she made him quit jobs so that they could spend more time together. No, no. And he, like, needed to touch her whenever they were together all the time. Nope, nope, So we're talking, like, not just your regular teenage – and we're talking 17-year-old kids. We're not talking 14 or 15. Right. We're talking a little older. And, again, these are kids who are very smart. But, again – the, since they're kids who are very smart and very determined and very driven, maybe they haven't had relationships before, and this is the first one they're having, so they're crazy about each other, right? It's real love. You just don't know how I feel. <laughs> well, um, they got engaged within the first month. Okay. That doesn't surprise me, knowing what you just told me. But they scheduled their wedding, and this is something that I think is is quite interesting, because, first of all, they scheduled their wedding. Well, I was going to say that that shows how fucking type A these two are, that they're like, we're getting engaged, and now we have to plan everything. But they just scheduled their wedding for four years later. Okay. After they'd both graduated from their perspective. Well, you know, so that David could go off and be a pilot and Diane could, you know, go fly a spaceship into outer space. Exactly. Basically, yes. And I, and I think that if this had worked out in a good way... This was a great way of looking at it. That they had planned, they wanted to get married, but they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna fuss about it until they were out of school, which I think is great. Right. If you're gonna make a commitment to someone, but you still have goals, this is a way to do it. Right. Unfortunately, 
because of their obsessiveness, I think that there were a lot of things about their relationship that were problematic that people didn't know about outwardly. I think that people saw them and thought, oh, they're a good couple or they're a little obsessed, but they'll get over it. They're still new, whatever. Uh, They're both of the same goal, so it fits with each other. But I think that they were abusive to each other in the way that kids, only kids are abusive to each other, like, and have it be acceptable, like, that she asked him to quit jobs or made him quit jobs is abuse. Yeah, no. That he he needed to constantly have a hand on her, be touching her. It seems sweet when you first start dating that you wanted to hold hands and you want to kiss and you want to play footsie or whatever, but not, it's not healthy if if it's, you don't go anywhere, you know? So I think that we're looking at a situation where maybe where it was going to burn out really fast. Right. But it didn't burn out as fast as what it should have for it to have been. They had a plan and you got to stick to the plan. And I think that you're right. I think as soon as there was a plan in place, because they were the kind of people that liked plan, Mm -hmm. that liked having a plan. And they were also really obsessed with each other. Right. So it was like, even though, even when you're feeling crazy about somebody, you can still feel like you want to get out. So you maybe you rebel or you do something stupid because you just want to alleviate some sort of weirdness, right? So David was on, like we established, the cross-country team with Adrian Jones. Uh, they had known, they knew each other. She was younger than him, so it wasn't. They were pleasant to each other, but it wasn't anything like. They were more acquaintances than anything else. They knew each other from cross country, and that they was knew about each it. other from cross country. And obviously, he had her phone number, right? Or he wouldn't have been able to call her, right? Right. Well, I mean, back then, you know, you could just look it up with some phone well, book. You, that too, but you also had like a million phone numbers memorized for, also, maybe, for no reason whatsoever. Maybe you had that phone number on the cross country sheet. Yep. There you go. I mean, I don't know. Okay, for all you youngins, if you're if there's any youngins listening out there, you used to when you were in an athletic program, you get a sheet with the numbers of all the all your teammates in case you needed a ride from one of yeah. them for some some reason. And so, it's likely that he got her number from that. If they didn't already exchange numbers in some other way. Right. I mean, you used to have to memorize every single one of your friends' numbers. Nowadays, ask, do you know what your best friend's phone number is? I don't know what my phone number is. <laughs> Do you know what my number is? Uh, Don't say it out loud. No. Okay. I mean, like, maybe I could, like, if I sat here and thought about it for a minute, I'd remember, like, the last four digits, but... I know your phone number. Cool. But I it's because I do all the paperwork. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I know my father's phone number because it was my phone number when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember the phone number from when, when I was growing up. And... Have you ever taken... Have you, have you ever had anybody go... Like, like, you see on the internet, you know, all those stupid things, like, do you remember your childhood phone number? And I'm like... Yes, it, my, it's still my dad's fucking phone number. burned into my skull. Also, I will never be able to forget that number. Yeah, I suppose your parents moved, so it would be harder for you. But I still literally call that phone yeah. number once a month. or Well, that's not true. Once a year. Mostly we text. And that's a different number. No, it's not. He doesn't have a phone number. This is not important. Okay. Sometime between November 4th and December 3rd, 1995, David and Diane were studying for the SATs. Which is interesting to me, why you would have to still take your SATs if you've already... I guess maybe they weren't... Maybe they hadn't been accepted. Um, it's still an entry requirement for the academies. The academies are treated just like a college, but 
more so. So like you need to f- take like your SATs or your ACTs, I'm sure, in order to get into them anyways. Well, so. they were studying for the SATs. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that part of the country. And I know we've had these conversations before. When Diane went, she asked him about other girls. Hey, do you think anybody else is cute? And she specifically asked about Adrian, which I think is interesting. Because that means... Well, she probably went to one of his track meets or cross-country meets or whatever and was like, ooh, she's pretty. I bet David noticed her all the time and they're yeah. probably hooking up behind my back. That's probably... Because I'm crazy. <laughs> well, when you're... Let's not call her crazy. Well, I we mean, she is. Crazy. Well, anyway, so she asked about Adrian and I, I... Like I said, I think it's unclear why she focused specifically on Adrian, but you may have answered that question there. Um, but the truth is, is that if David had said anything else, we'd be not be talking about them right now. But instead, David told Diane that on the night of November 4th, 1995, that after a cross-country meet, he gave Adrian a ride home. But on that ride home, they stopped off at an elementary school and had sex in his vehicle. Diane, who, as we've already determined and already established, is psychotic when it comes to infidelity. She cray-cray. She expected it, and then she... And his and he, she expected infidelity, and when she got it, she was fearless or fiercely pissed. She's cuckoo for cuckolding. She started to sob and scream and beat her head against the floor and started saying, "Kill her, kill her." Now I don't think this is the moment that they went, "Okay, we're gonna kill her." Right. But this is when this is the first time she brought it up, and probably in her mind, probably it went. But definitely this was the time, according to David's confession, that it was made clear sometime in the next few weeks that Adrian should die. And so I've got here, I'm going to read a little bit of, of, from his confession because his, con- his written confession is kind of over the top written. Um, he tells it like he's writing a love story, which is quite weird and also... He's a little bit of a prick. Little ditty about David Diane. Yeah, a little bit. So, okay. For at least an hour, she screamed sobs that I wouldn't have thought possible. It wasn't just jealousy. For Diane, she had been betrayed, deceived, and forgotten, all in that one meaningless instant in November. The purity which she held so dear had been tainted in that one unclean act. Diane had always held her virginity as one of her highest virtues. When we agreed to be married, she finally let her guard down long enough for our teenage hormones to kick in. When this precious relationship we had, we had was damaged by my thoughtful, thoughtless actions, the only thing that could satisfy her womanly vengeance was a life of the one that had, for an instant, taken her place. Womanly vengeance would be a good goth band name. Isn't that a bit overwritten? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like It's a little too uh, prosy. Yeah. Like, he's trying to write a love note to yeah. Diane. Baby, I love you. I'm going to talk about this murder as if it was a romantic, big romantic statement. Right. Instead of a senseless killing. So they devised a plan. Of course they did. <sighs> of course. So the plan was... I'm sure it was thorough, too. It was... Thoroughly thought out, yes. David was to lure Adrian out of her house 
after her parents had gone to bed and out to the country where they would then break her neck and put her in the lake with weights tied to her body. So like his lifting, weight lift, like it's, uh, what are they called? Dumbbells. Dumbbells and, you know, free weights and whatever. Sounds like they're a couple of dumbbells. So the first part went well. So he got her out of the house, got Adrian out of the house, and they drove to the secluded area. I mean, we know this. She, but then, and then Diane hid in the back seat. Oh, the hatchback. I'm sorry. He had a hatchback. Ooh. For years, I thought it was a hatch or back seat. And I was like, how the fuck didn't she know that there was a chick in the back seat? Right. Could she not like hear her breathing and feel her down there? I mean, Diane was a tiny woman, but come on, you know, like. Right. But hatchback makes more sense. So she's riding in the hatchback. And so when they get out there, Diane, like, pops out from the hatchback. Supplies. And tries to break Adrian's neck, which, of course, doesn't happen because breaking someone's neck takes an ultimate amount of force. And you have to hold the head in the right way and it's not as easy as they make it look on tv which is actually david said that in his confession that they were a bit surprised because it didn't wasn't nearly as simple and uh when it didn't work david held on to adrian or they fought a little bit like there was a fight obviously because she just tried to fucking break her neck so the girls were fighting and then david grabbed adrian and diane hit her on the head with one of the dumbbells or one of the weights. It says weights everywhere. So it could have been. I don't know what kind of weights they used. Well, like the plates for like. Oh, that could be. Bench pressing. Yeah. Okay. So hit her on the head with. That actually makes more sense. In yeah. my head, that makes more sense. Um, hit her on the head with the weight. But Adrienne, she's strong. Uh-huh. She's tough. She doesn't, she doesn't at all get knocked out by this. So she scrambles, like, out the window that had gotten broken. Because, again, knocking somebody out by hitting them over the head is more difficult than people think it is. Actually, maybe the – for some reason, because she had, like – Adrian had scars on her hands, like, cuts on her hands. So for some reason, I thought that the window was broken in the car. But I feel like people would have noticed that. Yeah. I don't know. It could have been a real beater, and then nobody would notice that you know there was plastic over the window. It's like, oh, look a at teenage car. Look teenage at da- car. David's shitty car. There's more shit wrong with it that we're not even actually registering because it's such a piece of shit. Yeah, could be. So she gets out of the car because she's fucking track star, right? And she starts running like she's a, a track, track star. Or uh, she may not be a track star, but she's a track athlete, which is track enthusiast. Track enthusiast, and basically. David runs off after her and also on the track team also on the track team and it's it's kind of because their stories have changed had changed there was this um possibility that Diane had said go kill her go shoot her so he ran after her and he when he caught up with her he shot her twice in the head so this is explains the gotcha so anyway David comes back to the car and the first thing they say to each other is I love you because of course it is and then the next thing that Diane says is, we shouldn't have done that, David, which, no shit. Right. And uh, then they went to a friend's house, a friend named John Green, which I think is super funny. <laughs> went to a friend's house and um, cleaned up. And I think this is when, like, like they were panicking and they, I think it hit them that what they had done. It was more than that she said that, that they went someplace else 
and like they both had a breakdown like he threw up and she she cried this proves that they did this together right. there was you know like they have an after story where it's like things are not great now like but at the same time things were better than ever because now the romantic rival is gone right she's now she's no longer a threat no longer a problem but when diane got home that night to prove just how easily she got over it or at least at the very least that she wanted to remember it which is something if i killed somebody i don't think i'd want to remember it right she wrote on the day they did it adrian 138 a.m in her planner wow so i mean talk about your type a personality yeah yeah so oddly enough like i said before they didn't look at david they didn't question they questioned him but he was like i know her right yeah i called her it wasn't a big deal um him and diane were these amazing kids right they're both they're an engaged couple who are both going off to these prestigious academies they're excelling in school there he's a he's on the track team she's i don't know if she did any sports but like these are great kids like they're they're writing newspaper articles about these kids these kids are excelling in the world they're happy as can be they're going to prom together they're doing all this stuff you know like and they last they're so outstanding how could they possibly be involved and but there was no reason to think they would be involved right diane doesn't know her yeah and David, or if she did know her, she knew her almost not at all. Right. And just through David. And David's like, I don't really know her. And people were like, he doesn't really know her. They kind of know each other from the track team, but not really. But they're good kids. But they're good kids also. So after 1996, after graduating from high school, they both enter those academies. They do their, you know, their, for their basic. Uh-huh. And uh, they continue to excel there until... Until one day... Until August of 1996, when Diane and her roommates are sitting around talking about their boyfriends and how much they miss them and how much they wish that they were there and how, what good boy, oh, my boyfriend's such a good boyfriend and kind of doing that like, my boyfriend's better than your boyfriend sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think only 18 and 17, 18 year old girls do this and totally asshole people. And uh, the subject came to, uh, What's the biggest thing he's ever done for you? And Diane said that she and Graham, David, loved each other so much that they proved it by killing for each other. Well, this was the stupidest thing she's ever done. Right. Because what do they have in the military, Adrian? The Uniform Code of Military Justice. And a code of conduct Uh that requires knowledge of a crime to be passed on. Yep. So, these girls, who have also fought their fucking asses off to get into Annapolis, uh-huh. I wouldn't assume, are like, I'm not letting that bitch fuck my shit up. Right. And so they go to the Navy chaplain well, and they say, oh, go it's ahead. It's not so much of, of a, I'm not going to let that, that chick fuck my shit up. It's a, oh, this is the code of conduct that's been drilled into our heads for the last umpteen days. I need to do the right thing because she just told me of a crime and I have to pass it on because the code of conduct tells me I need to. So that you go and... You yeah. go and you just immediately like, bah, this yeah. Is but thing. also, part of that is I'm not letting you screw up my school. It's not going to screw up their school. The code of conduct is like that's a thing where like if you violate the code of conduct, it's like, well, it's you, on the wrist. you shouldn't have done that because okay. it's not it's not like it's it's not an enforceable set of rules 
or I mean, it technically is an enforceable set of rules, but it's not something that is that the military deems to be an enforceable thing. It's guidelines. It's the here is a way that you should conduct yourself to be a good military person kind of thing. Well, and then, then, they took it seriously. Well, yeah. The, the then you've got the uni- Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is the military set of laws. And those are the things where if you violate them, you're going to get some punishment. Well, these girls were like, we're not right. going to allow this to stay a secret. Right. And so they went to the chaplain. And the chaplain then went to the naval attorney at the school. And, of course, he went to the heads of the higher ups or whatever and said and, yo this bitch crazy and when, and then they they went they called dallas fort worth police and said is there because it could have been just braggartness right. so they called the police department and said is there a crime that fits this mo because if there's not then she's just lying you know or maybe it wasn't there maybe it was somewhere else but as far as they know right you know, but then they find out that Lo and behold. Lo and behold, there was a murder of a young girl that is still unsolved. Da 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 da. da. Um, so Diane gets suspended from school and sent home until this can all be sorted. And then, of course, the police go and they well, the police come to come to Annapolis and they ask her about it. And she said she made it all up. It's not she didn't. David and her didn't do anything. They send her home. So she pops on to Colorado real quick. Says, "Hey, David." I told him I've made, I said something. I was stupid, but I told him I was making it up. So when the police go to him, he's like, oh, she was making it up. It's bullshit, whatever. But then he goes, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he went back home, I think. But I think they went up to Colorado and arrested him because there was enough, I don't know, circum- maybe they got off a, a warrant or something. I don't know. But they, to search his house. Right. But they go up to him and they arrest him and he basically confesses immediately in that wordy love letter confession that he confesses in and he basically says that they did it together that she hit her she hit her and he shot her um that it was all for love that it was they had to get rid of this woman who was a problematic issue a, a blip on their radar but a problem nonetheless and uh he doesn't he, I, I think he's feeling bad about it but he's not really he doesn't really care because he gets to be with diane so then they arrest diane and they tell her listen david's david's told us everything and so she basically tells them her first confession is definitely what happened it was all that they did it together exactly the same story she even admits to saying david go shoot her you know like this is very much a they're right on the money everything lines up Mm -hmm. um and then of course they decide to try them because this is what happens in these cases. Yep. Um, and the kids decide that they're going to both plead not guilty and blame the other one. So Diane has court first, and she basically says that David was abusive, that he was manipulative, that he did this to fuck with her head, that he killed her and then brought her body back over to Diane and said, look what you made me do. Wow. That, which does not line up with the physical evidence at all. Right. Um, or his personality, or, from what I understand so far. Well, we don't, I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty arrogant son of a bitch, but I don't think he's this, you know. Right. Um, and the, the thing of it is, though, is that during Diane's trial, they were still engaged. This wasn't a breakup situation. Right. Until after her trial. Right. And then David was like, 
no thanks, I'm done with this. Right. And uh, so in his trial, he basically said that he wasn't even there, that Diane did it all on her own. Like, and, and the thing of it is, is that it doesn't make any sense. How on earth would Diane get Adrian out of the house? Right. How on earth would she have the strength to, you know, on her own? I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, none of it makes sense. The first story makes the most sense. So that's physically. Right. Um, of course, they were both convicted. Um, they are both going to serve 40 years before they'll be out. Uh, it's a tragedy, in my opinion, uh, on all counts. Because, first of all, Adrian sounds like she was awesome. Sounds uh-huh. like she was really fun. Sounds like she had her shit together. Sounds like she would maybe would have been a criminal profiler, which would have been great. Um, the, if David and Diane had, maybe they would have gone on to be slightly psychotic, but really good military commanders. Right. For all we know, you know, like, who knows? Maybe Diane would have been a woman in space right now doing crazy awesome space shit. But instead, they're in jail. However, there's a side note to this story that I didn't know about until today. And it is crazy to me. Unlike the rest of this story. (laughs) In a twist. What a twist. At David's trial, the prosecution brought up a witness who claimed that David did not drive Adrian home on November 4th, that they had. So, so the whole thing was built off of a, a complete fallacy. So supposedly he was supposed to have had sex with this girl, but the night he was supposed to have had sex with her, he didn't. there was no way he could have had sex with her. Wow. The defense team fully corroborated this fact. They had no problem saying that's true. He never had sex with her. Um, it isn't really clear. Why he told Diane that? Just to push her buttons, I'm sure. Um, and it isn't really clear why he allowed it to get so far where they would kill someone. Because they were both cuckoo for each other? And I have a theory. Okay. Lay it on me, baby. Okay. I think that David had a crush on Adrian. Not a big one. Not a, I want to leave Diane for her crush. Right. But like a, she's hot and Diane's knows she's hot. She was popular. She was easygoing. She was probably less nutto about life than Diane was. Mm-hmm. He probably was like, oh, I wish Diane was a little bit more like her, you know? Uh, he maybe even have said to Diane that she was pretty. Or like you said earlier, Diane just noticed she was pretty. Uh, so, and of course, that's why she asked specifically about, about Adrian. Now, I think David was the kind of kid who was just like... He was just like, he was so done listening to this fucking questioning. Because the way that I'm, I'm not blaming Diane for this, for him lying to her. But she sounds like she was the kind of girl who was like, have you ever cheated on me? And he's like, no. And she's like, what about with Adrian? And he's like, no. And she's like, come on. I know you're, there's all these pretty girls around you all the time. I don't know. And then he was finally like, fine. Yeah, I had sex with Adrian. I gave her a ride home and I had sex with her. Right. It was, it almost feels like he was like, he said he cheated on her. So that just to shut, shut up, up, shut up, Diane. But when she lost her mind, he didn't know he either. He couldn't back it off. He couldn't back it off because he was either afraid that it would be crueler to say, I'm just kidding. I was just saying it to bother you. Or he didn't think she'd believe him. Right. Or she, he did say that and she didn't believe him. Right. You know, because she's she's already assuming this terrible shit happened. Before she's, he's even confirmed it. And then he's confirmed it and she can't hear anything else. Right. You know? Um, 
either that or he wanted her to get angry. He wanted to see her mad. He liked the idea of seeing her mad. You know, mm-hmm. they did kill somebody. Right. Maybe he's a little sadistic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or, and this is probably a long shot, he actually had been rejected by Adrian at some point. He kind of wanted to, to see his girlfriend beat her up. Right. And he thought that's all it would be. Right. You know, like he didn't think it would go to the extreme of like actual murder. I think that we're talking about teenagers. Mm-hmm. We know teenagers. We have a couple of teenagers we know. Mm-hmm. They're nice kids. They're good kids. And they wouldn't go to this length, I don't think. We hope. <laughs> um, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that a boyfriend would poke his girlfriend just to piss her off. Right. You know? At that age, because again, kids are abusive to each other mm-hmm. in really, really not appropriate in adult realms ways because they think that's the way you're supposed to treat people. How many years do, pe- to, do some women and men go thinking that you tr- that treating people like shit is the way to get a good relationship? Well, like Donald Glover says, kids are little Hitlers. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All the way up until they, I don't know when they stop doing it, but... Well, up until you start teaching them that Hitler's bad. Well, start teaching them that the way that you're supposed to behave about things. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I empathy think until you teach them about empathy. empathy. Yeah. That's that's what he says. So anyway, both of these people are are pretty much described as emotionless and arrogant. Throughout their trials, they switch back and forth between being emotional and non-emotional. Mm-hmm. They seem to care about some things and don't care about other things. They're still kind of obsessed with each other, even. A couple of years after these things are happening, they're not together and they, they claim to dislike each other. But when David talks about Diane and some of the earlier interviews, he's definitely still into her. He's definitely still in love with her mm-hmm. or at least still wishes he could talk to her, mm-hmm. you know. So but and those there's a really emotion is just between the two of them. There's very little emotion outside of that. But even if Diane believed that nothing would happen, nothing had or would happen between Adrian and him, that something could have may have been her reason for wanting to have Adrian die. Right. It's, it's, I don't know that, I mean, if she whether she thought it happened or she thought it could happen, she just wanted this woman not available to him at all. It's already right. in his head. It's got to go, right? And I think that... Nip it in the bud. That something wouldn't have happened, maybe his reasoning, but also at the same time, it could be that they actually did have sex. And everybody's lying. Right. I don't know. But I think the truth is, is that this is a this is a literally a case where Adrian did nothing wrong, except be a pretty girl, right? In the wrong place at the wrong time. That sucks. So, that is Diane Zamora and David Graham. Boo! They're the worst. They're not the worst, but they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They suck. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, have a great night. Bye.